Hey everybody, welcome back to Podcast of the Galactic Heroes. Today we are doing episodes 22, 23, and 24 of Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. Uh, the plot is officially going off as much as possible, and uh, Bato looks in the camera and calls Gota a little bitch for 20 minutes. <laughs> I, I love this first episode because yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Bato is just goading Gota, and Gota is like, hey, 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 what's I'll you take mean? that bait. Second rate? Fuck you, I'm first rate. Yeah, he does not like to be called a little bitch to his face. It's uh, really great. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because they, like, they're both dancing around the whole situation. They know we, they, both of them know what they're doing, but like, oh yeah, yeah, they can't show it to each other. But yeah, it's 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 a great episode. I like this one. Yeah, and this yeah. is all basically really like good. one straight episode. Like all three of these episodes just roll on into yeah. each other. Yeah, there's a time Talking skip between no twenty two in the previous episode, but like all the rest of these are basically real time. Yeah. Yeah, and shocking no one, as soon as they brought the nasty man back in, shit got good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love this little stinker. He's so good. (laughs) Well, Kuvo, would you like to start us off on the discussion of the nastiest? The the three part plan of the nastiest man. Yeah, so if you remember back in episode 21, uh, Kuze was on a boat with some nukes, some nukes, and I have that in heavy air quotes. Quote, unquote. Yeah, and then there was a blackout, and then his boat got sunk, and, you know, someone was saying something effective like, what happens when the cycle of hatred and quagmire war with the refugees or whatever. Uh, we're cutting it forward a bit to episode 22. There's a bit of a time skip, but we see a clock. It's hitting 10 in the morning. Uh, we see an empty subway station. That's unusual. Then it goes outside to an empty city street, and the city is empty. That's unusual. And there's, like, some birds flying around and shit, so it's, like, empty, empty. Yeah, this this feels very unnatural, and it's probably an homage to uh, Pat Labor's second movie. But, um, yeah, we see a military convoy just going down the highway, and then there's a chopper, and some ominous music starts playing. Uh, we're reintroduced to Kushu Radio Tower, which was the radio tower where the individual 11 killed themselves. Got 10, 15 episodes ago. A bit ago, yes. Yeah, it's the same one. I didn't know the name of it back then, but yeah, I guess it's a radio tower. It, it is a real building, yeah. yeah. So there's a news chopper, and they're flying around, and we get a voiceover of the reporter saying that five days ago, a mass evacuation uh, happened in the city because of the discovery of an unexploded bomb in the subway construction. And they thought this is to be a nuke from World War III. Uh, so apparently someone just left it in the subway whoops yeah they say it's in the subway but like it's in that building later on yeah it's weird here yeah whatever the 35 million people have been evacuated from the surrounding area and they don't know if it's terrorism or the government really hasn't said anything so everybody's in the dark right now Uh, so we get the title card we see another montage of just city buses and cars just going out of the city and evacuating uh, this lane to... closed because of terrorism is what one of the signs says. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You can't go back into the city to collect your dog or whatever because <laughs> terrorism, you know. So You need to scan your shoes before you get on the plane. That's <laughs> 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 what it is. <laughs> so, yeah, in the Section 9 chopper, Bato's saying that the government's not doing a great job, you know, of the evacuation. But then again, there isn't really martial law, so the media's kind of playing this up. He's just kind of griping, really. Uh, we see a shot of the Major. She is still very, like melancholy and like in her own thoughts that's kind of what she is this whole time even as shit hits the fan yeah she's no longer the very confident woman she used to be she's now very second guessing herself so um she says that uh kuze's ship sank everybody saw that it was on tv they don't know if there was any plutonium on it and they don't know anything about the blackout but it was conspicuously timed for his escape so they don't know if the refugees actually caused that 
Um, the Japanese citizens at this point are extremely sick of the refugees and they want them gone. After um, the blackouts, yeah. Yeah, they might. this might be, of course, the Cabinet Information Services manipulation, but they're not really sure. And um, they think that, like, the Cabinet Information Service, like, if it is them manipulated, they don't really, they're not thinking of the country's future. Like, they're creating problems and these problems are bad for Japan. So Right, and this is going to make things worse. Yeah, why are they doing this if they're, you know, working for the government? Um, so we see a shot from Bato's point of view looking at the major and he gets like a private phone call from the chief asking him, he's like, hey, what's up with her? And uh, he says that she's been weird ever since she dove in the Kuze cyber brain, which we already know about. So it's just kind of recapping that. Uh, the chief goes on to say that the cabinet information services is getting involved in this whole situation because they need to manipulate the media so nothing gets out of hand. And that's how they're getting their foot in their door. Um, he's going on his way to ask the prime minister if he can investigate the CIS. It's time for Aramaki to get locked in a room for three episodes. <laughs> That's what he's great at. Grandpa got <laughs> yeah. stuck in the room. His special ability. Yeah, Batra says, like, how are you going to you know, convince her to investigate when you have no hard evidence? And the chief's like, well, that's why Section 9 is going to go look at that nuke. Hopefully you'll turn up something, wink, wink. Uh, your paycheck's it's on just the line. Like the, it's like some of the biggest, like, trust maneuvers repeatedly for Aramaki to be like, I'm just a little old man. They wouldn't. <laughs> They wouldn't hurt me. They wouldn't. They wouldn't shoot me with a gun. I'm a funny little guy. Like, <laughs> to be fair, it kind of pays off in the third episode. He, he's right. It works out every time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And uh, to, he's Togus just is a like, little guy. I can't. Be- yeah. Togus is like always worried. He's like, sir, but what if they're onto us? He's like, I'm a little guy. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Aramaki's <laughs> been playing this game for like 50 years now. He yeah. knows how it works. He's been a little old man since he was like 16. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, so Vato goes and asks the Major, well, hey, why do you think the refugees are so quiet right now? They have their nuke, in air, again, in air quotes, right? Their nuke. Yeah. Uh, she says, like, they don't know anything. Um, th- so the, she says that, like, the refugees will know that if they do anything, what they do is going to be manipulated. So, like, they can't attack. They can't put out press releases, anything like that. Um, Kuze is probably looking for something to give him the upper hand right now and trying to bide his time. And she says that's what she would do anyway. That's again, what I would do if I were Kuze. It's what the yeah. most boring thing to do. So, of course, it's what Kuze will do. <laughs> yeah, she says this, of course, as she's like kind of staring off into the middle distance, biting her thumb. And Bato calls her on this like, hey, you're not, your mind's not on the job here. And um, he, he goes on and kind of gives her a pep talk saying, listen, like, I know we all look up to you, but we're capable of backing you up. And she thanks him in like one of the first sexual scenes of humility she has in this entire series. Yeah. Uh, she then goes and gives orders and says, it "Like, hey, Bato, I got a special plan. Normally I would do this, but now it's your time to shine. And, and Bato's looks- like, oh, hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also she specifically says, like, I don't mind you talking down to me like that or yes. whatever. <laughs> like, in regard- like, again, very strange behavior from the major across the board. <laughs> Shit talking your superior. Yeah, she never gets called on it. Like she never gets like checked or any way like that by her yep. underlings. And I guess she doesn't want yes men on the team, which is probably a good decision. So yep. yeah. So we cut over to the chief Togisa and Proto. They're meeting with Prime Minister. Um, they say, "Listen, once the bomb in this building or in in whatever the building is, the radio tower is the fuse by the self defense force. Um, the self defense force will probably be authorized to go into Dejima and you know reclaim the nuke again." Air quotes. Um, the chief says that his report states that the refugees probably don't have plutonium and that the CIS is worsening the situation and wants to investigate that. So, hey, uh, Prime Minister, can you please delay this whole invasion thing? Pretty please. Yeah. 
Uh, Kayabuki says that she uh, got intel from Russia saying that refugees have plutonium, and she has to go with that assumption and be foolhardy not to think that they may have nukes, you know. If the do- Russians tell us. Well, it's also like due diligence, I guess. You can't yes. just say, oh, you know. Well, yeah, it's like Aramaki doesn't know for sure they don't have plutonium, and the worst situation would be they have plutonium. Exactly. So. And, of course, if the Cabinet Information Services is working against them, you can't exactly go up to a podium and be like, hey, one of my cabinets is trying to get us all killed. <laughs> yeah. So they don't there, want to come there to is some delicacy here. <laughs> Yeah, so Togusa goes on to say that, like, this is what the CIS wants her to think. Um, Listen, no one wants war. She should show the Section 9 report to the cabinet and, you know, try to buy some time. Uh, She's very conflicted on this. She knows she has a duty to perform as the prime minister, and she wishes that she had the report sooner so she could have acted on it, and tells the chief to remain on standby. Could you just stand in this room? He does that for the next episode or two, so yeah. Yeah, he sure does. Uh, we cut to the self-defense force's field HQ, I guess, whatever. Gota's there. He's with a bunch of military people. Uh, Bato walks on in along with the rest of Section 9 and says, like, hey, um, we want our own bomb techs on the front line, referring to Paz and Boma. And so they go off and look at the nuke. Uh, and then Bato says that he has a bunch of questions for Gota, so they walk outside the tent. He's like, can, can you come see me in my office? Yeah, so we cut to the bomb disposal stuff. Like, it's... They say it was in the subway, but it looks like it's in a stairway for a skyscraper. I don't know. It's this like refrigerator sized object. And on the outside of it, there's a note that says to Kayabuki with love on it. Um, Boma starts talking to the bomb techs about, uh, you know, I wonder if this is like those nose cone messages that the Americans used to put on their bombs, which is kind of a funny way to think about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other bomb tech says like, this isn't an actual nuclear bomb. They didn't have the ability to make it into a full nuke, but it's a dirty bomb, which is almost as bad. Right. Um, Still going to ruin your city, just not melt it. Yeah. Uh, He says that like, we had to wait till the Japanese miracle could be deployed before we attempted the fusel on it. And they start doing techno babble about how the bomb has no timer, but a lot of sensors. And we get some information here about Boma's backstory. He was in the army during the war. That's why he's a bomb disposal guy. So, But it's cool. also he was a bomber during the war. Yeah. Bato and Gota, we see them. They get into the elevator in the same skyscraper building, the radio tower that the nuke's in. So again, like, I don't know, maybe it's underground. It beats me. Well, I think that that's supposed to be like a power move where Bato's like, Oh, you want us to go right above where they're defusing this bomb here? This really, really dangerous place? And Gota's like, yeah, that's fine. I mean, to be fair, the the tent that they were in was right outside the building, so... True, yes. It's a weird place to set up base camp. Yeah, I would think they would set that up, like, I don't know, a mile down road, but... They uh, start taking their elevator ride up, the longest elevator ride imaginable. Um... Bato asks, is like, listen, dude, how far are you going to take this? And of course, Gota plays dumb. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> uh, Bato brings up his thesis saying, like, your entire thesis was about the fabrication of mediators to give rise to copycats. And, like, and Gota's so, like, oh, man, someone read my thesis? <laughs> <laughs> You're the second person to read my thesis. <laughs> the first one was my mom. <laughs> um, Gota says that, like, society makes it easy for situations like this to... Um, Makes it easy for situations like this to come up. Uh, history is written by those in power. They write heroes, myths, and legends. And a megalomaniac wanted to make a hero greater than himself. So he invented the Vigil of the Eleven, which was a fake standalone complex. I guess Bato's saying that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Bato says all yeah. that. 
Uh, Gota again plays dumb with this, and Bato's like, you know, whoever made coming up with that stupid idea was second rate, and now Gota's kind of like curious about the whole scene. You see him grip the second rails rate. just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Second rate? You can tell how pissed he is. How yeah, dare you? I'm a genius. It's it's funny because they do these reaction shots of him and like half of his face is stuck in this like perpetual smirk, but yeah. the other half was like kind of frowning there. Yes, so it, it's interesting how they do it. They also like cut a lot of these shots like he's um, Two Face or something from Batman, where like yep. half of his face is you like, get um, one or the other. Yeah, it, it's a decent characterization to him. I like. Uh, we got back to the bomb squad. They're opening up this bomb now and start defusing it. Uh, they make reference that it is an implosion type nuke, but like it isn't set up like that. So either like they had the time and technology, but they just decided not to build one. Yeah, the bomb techs are kind of incredulous, but of course, if this was all you know just set up, it's not surprising that that was done. Exactly. Yeah, the SDF guys are like, "Wow, it's weird that the refugees want to do that," and Boma's just sitting there like, "This is a setup." Yeah, it's like, "Wow, what a power move by the refugees!" Damn. Um, we see a quick shot outside of uh, an SDF convoy with a truck, and they're talking about like. Oh, yeah, there was another bomb retrieval squad that was, like, on its way to the tower. That's weird. And we see a bunch of crows fly around. Oh, get ready for crows. Yeah, they just cut these crows for, like, the next 15 minutes, and they just fucking love these crows. They show up again next episode. They yeah, they, they come back. Featured extra crows. <laughs> so the Major starts asking Boma about the bomb, and Boma's saying, like, yeah, it seems super fishy. The explosive types are on. He says, like, they use, like, military, U.S. military explosives when all the refugees have been using C4, and that's real weird. It's a little sus. Yeah. We cut to Bato and Gota on the roof. Um, this is the roof, by the way, where the individual Levens chopped each other up. So Yes, there's, there's even a memorial up there. Yeah. Uh, so Gota's like, what do you mean second rate? Because he's like super <laughs> annoyed now. He has been stewing. Second rate? How dare? Yeah, so Bato talks about, yeah, we met this first rate super hacker a while back. And he was talking about Oi from uh, season one, by the way. Um, he says, like, yeah, he was super impressive. The individual 11 were nothing compared to him. They're just copycats trying to create a virus to make other people do stuff. Someone must be pulling their threads, and that person seems like they think they're smart. And so, like, Goda's <laughs> getting kind of pissed here. So he starts asking, like, are you implying that this is me? And this is where Bato starts playing dumb. He's like, no, 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 not not at all. It's like, I just want to see what your take is on the individual so Bato, Bato pulls out a cigar and goes, oh, no, not at all, mister. <laughs> see, my wife, she's got this idea about the individual 11. <laughs> I just want to hear from the source. <laughs> You're such a smart person, after all. Yeah, and so, of course, Gota, being an idiot, talks to the police. Um, he starts <laughs> saying that the individual 11 became the heroes and spread through the cause via mass suicide. And Bato's like, who are they heroes to? Not the Japanese public. They made the refugee situation worse. And that they're already forgotten. You know, the citizens don't care about the individual 11 anymore. They're worried about the nukes on the front door. It's been like 10 episodes. They're just yeah. gone now. Gota goes on to defend and says that, you know, it's not the memory of the individual 11 that's important, but it's the situation that they created. Um, the person who produced them made them create the situation and therefore was a talented hacker. See, you know, see so it's, not me. it's not me, but the person who did this is awesome, is first rate and excellent and super talented and you shouldn't insult them. But it's not me. It's, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not me. This entire conversation is so fucking funny because, like, Goto <laughs> definitely wants to take credit for what he's doing, but he knows he can't. Yup. And Bato knows this, too, so he just keeps playing into it. Yeah, he's definitely egging him on here. Um, Bato's like, yeah, he was kind of talented that he was able to do this, but uh, that's not genius level hacking. I don't know if I'd say a genius. 
Yeah. The hacker is an individualist with some inferiority complex. And it's like, you can't win people over by forcing the beliefs on them. You have to have an unshakable conviction in something. Uh, this is where we see all the crows. They land and they start squawking. So and of course one of them is white. One of them is white. Most of them are black. And one it's of so, them is white. And it's, it's like, yeah, so I, on the nose. I, I, yeah. See what, I see what you're doing there, show. I, I get it. I, I, I see it. Yes. Symbolism. Yeah. So uh, Batra also says, like, well, you have to remember that also luck is involved at this point. Um, heroes are dependent on third parties' point of view. So, like, the third party person looking at a hero can either lift them up into greatness or squash them down. And that depends on luck, I guess. I guess the situation has to exist to create the hero and not just, they're not just born into that. Yeah. So Gota says, like, well, I actually didn't know that you were such a great conversationalist here. I love then, how Bata was like, was that a compliment? And Gota's like, sure. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. You know, <laughs> we, all, we both know that you were like, hey, I thought you were a dumbass. You're a meathead. <laughs> You're a complete <laughs> idiot. <laughs> yeah, so Bata one more thing's this guy. He's like, you know, since we're having a great conversation here, I got to mention one more thing. It's the X factor of the situation. And Gota's intrigued. Uh, we cut down to the army truck from before. Um, it's got a radiation symbol on the side of it. It parks in front of the radio tower, and some men in hazmat suits get out and go into the building. We cut back to Bato. Um, he says, um, I can read my notes here. Kuse, Kuse was the only one who didn't kill himself. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, and then he vanished after, and then like he mysteriously showed up later and became the refugee leader. Isn't that bizarre? Do you think that was a fluke, or was it planned? And Goto like says, well, it's weird that he acted opposite to the other individual eleven. Is that the X factor that he's acting weird? He's acting to hasten the refugee expulsion, though. So like, really, even though he's acting different than the others, it came to the same conclusion that the hacker intend this as well. Of course, Goto's you know jacking himself off here. He'd be super smart if he did that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> super amazing, awesome. You really should acknowledge how much of a genius this completely random guy who you do not know, you don't. You don't know who he is, but you have to admit how awesome he is, right? Right? Under no circumstances do you got to give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Bata says that like Kuze made his getaway on TV and it was made more dramatic by the blackout of the city. And now he has a nuke, so of course the government has to take off the kid gloves to, you know, you know deal with him now. But is Kuze really doing this or is it being buffed up by his producer? And like more accuracy is the producer unwillingly helping Kuze in, you know, fact that he is mimicking Kuze's actions. Like, is he falling under the spell of Kuze, this man of such great charisma and conviction that he's actually helping him along instead of being the mastermind uh, he thought he was. And so... Goda's Goda, like, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, so Goda's kind of thrown off by this. Bato says, like, Kuze came back from uh, Eratufu or wherever it was, the Russia Peninsula. Yep. Uh, with no plutonium. Oh, don't say that. Uh, anyway. No, sorry. To all the Japanese nationalists <laughs> out there. <laughs> yeah, so uh, he came back with no plutonium. And normally it would have been in Kuze's best interest to tell the refugees this and like kind of sit back and try to reassess the situation. But now there's this bomb here. So like, is he going to play along with the producer's plans? And it's like, no, he's got to, you know, be quiet and try to turn the tables by looking for something else to get the upper hand. By not making the declaration that the refugees have the bomb, he's playing the part. He's he's playing the part of uh, he's playing his own trump card. Like he's not playing the part. Right, because it's like you know, if the CIS made the set up this whole bomb situation, the best that Kuze can really do is just totally stand mum on it and be like, "All right, guys, you figure out how to spin this." 
I, yeah. I know we've mentioned that the crows turn up, but I have to like reiterate that a lot of this dialogue happens over close-up shots of the one white crow of these crows, and at some points they like honk at each other. Like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really funny. The crows are lovingly animated. Some dude had a oh, lot yeah. of fun drawing these crows. They Love look pretty nice. These crows. Yeah, so he's saying that, like, Kuze started out as a nobody, but now he's a hero, and the producer's turning into a copycat, and the crows start squawking here, and they all leave. And <laughs> it's super obvious Gota's ticked about this. Gota has lost to the Greek chorus of crows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we cut back to... Uh, we cut over to some refugees that are parading around in Dejima. Uh, we see Kuze. He's on a roof looking real cool. Uh, we see the guys in the hazmat suits. They're coming to pick up the bomb. So there's a lot of, like... This is kind of like a a cap to the end of the conversation. Bato yeah, has. montage here. Um, we get one last shot of Bato. Uh, he's talking about the individual 11 saying like they gave up their lives for fake ideology and now no one remembers them. Where are their ghosts? And while he's saying this, like uh, Goda's just kind of pissed in the background, stewing in his <laughs> anger. Uh, Bato walks away smoking. This shot is like 15, 20 seconds long of him just lighting a cigarette, walking slowly away. Like he's a badass or something. Yes. Uh, he offers it up as incense. Uh, yeah, to the... It is an interesting thing because the memorial is right there and he like kneels down on like a beer can and puts his cigar, a cigarette there like it's an incense burner. When we say memorial, this is like a forgotten memorial. Like the flowers are all dried up and wilting. This is a highway memorial is what yes, it is. Yeah. Just on top of a building. Yeah. So while he's doing this, he calls up the major and asks, did she get the plutonium? And she says, yes. What? Yeah, he then says, like, oh, yeah, sorry, but I used your external memory during the chat with uh, Goda via so I could talk about Kuze. I hope this all worked. Uh, she says it did. And there's a shot of uh, shot of Goda being super, like, inner reflective thinking about what's happening here. Um, she then goes on to say that the, she's taking the plutonium the Spring 8. And if the Cabinet Information Service wanted the shit to be real, uh, the plutonium would match. And the stuff from Shinjuku, which was, God, 20 episodes ago. Yep. It's all coming back. Yeah. And if it matches, this will show that the CIS was behind this fake-ass bomb here, which would be the smoking gun they need to finger them. Finally. Yeah. So Bata tells Goda, like, listen, we're both like Kuze, and then we haven't given up the fight. Um, and, oh, yeah. I forgot to ask you, Goda. Uh, we still don't know what triggers the virus for the individual 11. Uh, we want to write a vaccine, but we don't really know what triggers it. What do you think would be the final triggering factor? What would you use? <laughs> I love this. Yes, he's like, I know it's not you, but you, hi, hypothetically speaking, if it was you, what would you do? And Gota comes up with the greatest fucking line here. He's like, it would be virginity. You need to be a virgin in order to get a to become a martyr, and all you would have to have be a virgin before you have your prosthetic bodies. And Bato is like, "What the fuck is this guy talking what? about?" <laughs> yeah, but he calls him perverse, and then Gota goes on to say, "Like, you know, I'm a virgin too. Did you know this?" And Bato's like, "Uh." And I'm like, "Yeah, of course you are, Gota." And I'm not talking about your face, Gota. When you were a normal ass looking dude, you were unfuckable because you just were a dick, and you know it. Come on. Yeah, and so Goto like turns out I'm like this chat was enjoyable and informative, but I still have a battle to fight too. Well, I'm wondering, your hacker friend, will they be, will you be able to stop them, or will his plans unfold? I guess that's up to the X Factor, and then he just leaves Bottom on the roof. And the episode ends. I do uh, like this like ex post assassination of of uh, Boma's character, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because he did, in fact, get get hit by the virus. I didn't forget about that. I never thought about that. It's funny. <laughs> if Paz is the dude who fucks, then Boma is the guy who does not fuck. And they make a great buddy cop team. He could not possibly fuck at this juncture. <laughs> I didn't even yep. that. Oh, I've been sitting on that for like three days now. <laughs> That's very good. Yeah, I can't believe that Goda's Volsel. <laughs> yep. All for Too his busy power. plotting to fuck. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <clears throat> so that was episode 22. Episode 23, the plot. It's happening. Uh, we open on Kayabuki sitting with her cabinet, who have basically already decided to go to war with the refugees and get the rest of the plutonium that's on Dejimux. They're like, you know, if they use this much on this, then they still have this much, and we're going to have to go get it. Kayabuki's kind of like spacing out during this meeting though when she sees the fridge that says to Kayabuki with love and like kind of gasps at it because of yeah. course like she knows that it wasn't the refugees who put it there. Mm-hmm. It was her cabinet basically. Yeah, her cabinet are very much talking over her this yeah. entire meeting. They do not care what she has to say at all. They are, yeah, they Takakura's are running the entire it. thing. Yep. Yeah. It's also, um, as, as a side, like I should say, he, her character is very much, she's out of her depth. She's very in over her head with this whole situation and seems to like lack the control that she wishes she had. Yep. Yeah. And like basically the police and the cops are talking over her throughout the whole thing. So as the meeting ends, uh, she asks Takakura if they're being too forceful given the disapproval of other Asian nations. Takakura says that, hey, you know, a country that didn't take in refugees, which is China, has no right to criticize us. And she starts to object, but he slips in that the American empire is pushing them not to set a precedent of groups gaining independence by gaining nuclear power. Probably a good precedent, all things considered. Definitely makes me wonder who's threatening America. Like, like mm-hmm. the American Empire is an empire. What part of their empire do they not want <laughs> to set an example for? Yes, because it's always it's always I believe, that. For what it's worth, I believe in this series, uh, Mexico is under the control. Well, formerly Mexico is under the control right. of the American Empire. So, like, I'm guessing Latin America. That countries. would make sense. Yes. Yeah, they do given not want US Mexico. Is- to think yeah. nukes will get them independence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also given the America's real life influence on Central America, but yep. Yeah. So Kayabuki's like, they. I wasn't informed of that, and Takakura basically says, "Yeah, you're too pro-China for the Americans. They told us not to tell you this shit." Uh, and it's looking like the fall of Dejima will mark the end of your administration. Like basically, just straight up, like, "Hey, nice try, but we're gonna we're gonna get rid of you after all this." Yeah, Which we need a so fall fucked. guy. <laughs> yep. Uh, cut to section nine who are driving very unsafely, like cut off a car in an intersection with a tachikoma right behind them. And considering they have plutonium. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still drive exactly. Oh, the God, right. They're just kind of rocking with that, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. To be fair, you would need a very forceful impact to set off the plutonium. <laughs> True, but still. We have seen cars fall off bridges and explode in the show. I'm, Ooh, sure, yeah, I'm just saying. What if they hit a Pinto? <laughs> Future Pinto. Mm-hmm. So uh, we jump forward a little bit to CIS having found uh, Section 9's abandoned van. Uh, Goto reassures everyone and leaves, putting a fedora on, saying that he'll spin the situation from here, but that don't worry that they have this plutonium. It's fine. We'll all be fine, guys. It's yeah, my this plan. Is, it's fine. 
this is the recap that the major was the one in the has suit from the previous episode that yes, took the plutonium the, from the self-defense force. Yep. Section nine heisted the plutonium and now they're going to try to use it to finger the CIS. Uh, so prime minister returns to her office where Togus, the chief and proto are waiting. She explains that the army is going to mobilize in about an hour when Takakura gives a press conference announcing it. So like time is running out. Uh, Aramaki speculates that, like, Endless War probably, like, she, basically, she, Kaibuki's like, what the hell is he doing? This is going to ruin our country. But Aramaki speculates that Endless War is probably his goal and suspects that, like, he must have some shit up his sleeve uh, to pull a Trump card out of all this. Uh, then Aramaki comes up with the idea of having Kaibuki go to the UN to like get some nuclear inspectors in here to buy some time to basically stave off the self-defense force. The UN loves sending nuclear inspectors places. Yeah, they just, sure oh yeah, do. that's like their one duty. <laughs> it's the one time they get to actually do something so they're super excited about it. Mm -hmm. Other than police actions. <laughs> so <laughs> the plutonium gang, as we're going to start calling them, uh, drives up to a GSDA checkpoint as Aramaki contacts them and tells them about the U new UN nuclear inspection plan. He's basically like, hey guys, could you just stay on the lam from the army for the next two days, just like the end of the first season, uh, and then hand the plutonium over to the UN? Because I think that's probably the only way we're actually going to get away with all this. Uh, Major agrees, and they start to formulate a plan, just as Aramaki is like totally cut off from them. Forgot to pay his uh, phone bill. Yeah, basically. Uh, it's actually the, like, government underground facility they're in has been cut off due to, like, some act of Congress, basically, is what they, is what Togusa says. Yeah, it's like they used some law to justify having, like, an, what they call it, like, an EMC field or something like that. That's later yeah. on, but this is, like, yeah, so they're declaring war on Dejima, like, it's going into war provision stuff where, you know, they have to lock down the yeah. White House. Yeah, so. the White House is no longer uh, allowing you to make calls outside of it. Uh, mm -hmm. So we cut over to Takakura's press conference where an aide is informing him that the UN has been called in and he's kind of pissed about that. After he confirms that it was Kayabuki who did it, he tells the aide to get ready to oust her right now. He says this right in front of a podium with like 300 mics. Yeah, you should really just like, you know, put your hand up on those things. <laughs> Step back a couple feet. <laughs> Maybe they're all off right now. Mm -hmm. yeah. No hot much, mics here. Much like guns always assume, assume that mics are on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we get a war build-up montage with the army blockading the bridge into Dejima. We see some throngs of refugees chanting their independence. Uh, we see a bunch of people in a martial law cafe watching the news, which is... Or I really want to know, like, where that cafe came from. Is it people who are, like, stuck under? Or is this you just joined the IRC chat for martial law being declared? Yeah, it's probably just a public, you know, IRC room. Just go on in. Yeah. Um, this is all overcut with Takakura's press conference where he says that they will attack in two days when the nuclear uh, UN nuclear inspection team arrives if they don't give up uh, Kuze and the plutonium. Back in the van, Major says that She's decided the best thing to do here is to take the plutonium to Dejima. Uh, Makes since sense. that's where the UN nuclear inspectors are going anyway, you just kill two birds with one stone by giving both that and Kuze over to them when they show up in two days. Um, she's like, everyone is free to choose to go with my batshit plan, so, you know, 
all on you guys. I, I do have to say, uh, giving Kuze over to the UN sounds like a great plan that will absolutely not get him killed. Oh, definitely. <laughs> uh, Saito is basically like, my god, that sounds just crazy enough to work. I'm in. Uh, everyone else basically agrees in, though Bato seems to have some reservations about the whole thing. But he, he kind of covers it up like, oh, no, this will be a real fun time, whatever we're planning to Cheap do here. thrills, baby. So he, he's clearly thinking about something else here, too, given the way Major's been. Uh, at this point, Major contacts Ishikawa, who is still in his hospital bed from being exploded a little bit. Just a slight explosion. Just a touch. Uh, she sends him a Tachikoma with half the plutonium to deliver to Spring 8 as originally planned, so they're kind of splitting the plan up to play the most cards here. Uh, and now that we've got all the plot pieces set up, Bato tells Major that when he used her external memories to chat with Gota, he also checked the, uh, her memories regarding Kuze. And while he didn't see anything concrete, he did get the impression that she's got some feelings for him. So I guess all those random speculations he had are just completely true. Accurate. Mm-hmm. So Motoko admits that she what, that he reminded her of someone that she was close to long ago, but they get cut off because everything's ready to go. So we're not going to have that. Who who could this possibly be? Conversation. Yeah, here. it's interesting this scene because like for once they're actually kind of having a candid conversation, like person to person with each other, instead of like under the you know premise of commanding officer or whatnot there's but, yeah. been a lot of professional dialogues between bato and, and the major like where they're talking about other stuff but it is always on the context of the job whereas here mm -hmm. they've actually like kind of started talking frankly with each other a lot more yeah the only scene that really mimics this is the one at the end of the first season when they're in that mm -hmm. high-rise building yeah in the bedroom yeah and it's kind of nice um so we cut over to the bridge at Dejima, where some jumpy rookies with rocket launchers talk about how the army's going to attack them with tanks because they know the refugees had just suicide bombed them. And the guy's, like, super proud about how they would suicide bomb them if they tried to attack. It's also, this is a situation of who gave Frank the rocket launcher. This guy yes. should not be yes. in charge of the rocket launcher. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Uh, so an older guy shows up and tells them, whatever you do, don't fire the first shot, because then the the international community will side with us. They'll be happy to our play, or they'll be sympathetic to our plight. Uh, ideally, they win without ever having to fire a shot, because that's Kuze's ideal. Over in town, Kuze's watching over all the people in Dejima, who are getting pretty rowdy about this whole revolution thing. When oh, yeah. an old man approaches him, saying that he saw him in Taiwan once, surrounded by followers, which is how he recognized him. Uh, they cut over to, like, an abandoned restaurant, and this guy looks and sounds exactly like the chief, except he has long hair instead of his weird pointy-haired boss hair, and talks in a slightly higher register, but is the same voice actor. Who could this possibly yes. be? Yeah, it's the, his brother from the first season. Yes. It's <laughs> yeah. almost weird to me that they, like, actually tied this whole thing up, to be honest. I feel that this is more yeah. of, like, a fan service thing than anything else. Oh, God, yeah. They could have had this conversation with any old man, but they just felt like they wanted to put in the chief's brother for some reason. Yep. Uh, it, it's not really plot important that it's the chief's brother, for what it's worth. Yeah. yeah. He, he's not gonna, he, he's basically here to just give him some sage advice. Um, so they're having tea in this abandoned restaurant and he pours the cup of tea, like until it overflows, puts the top on 
and then like pours more hot boiling water on top of the kettle, which is like basically a tea ceremony thing. So you can tell that this guy is like super high class to cite the fact that he's basically a hobo now. Yeah, like the uh, crows were drawn super nice last episode. This time it's the tea ceremony. Tea. <laughs> oh my god, the water flowing over the teapot. Like they were like, yeah, no, no, make sure he pours too much. I yeah. want to do a tea ceremony is basically <laughs> yeah. some animator is just having a field day. Um, but we get the actual conversation, which is uh, most people in Dejima have cyber brains. So they don't actually know what Kuze looks like, which is why it was weird that this guy could actually recognize him. Uh, not the chief says that it's kind of amazing that he's managed to connect with 3 million refugees without going crazy, but, and Kuzi's like, yeah, it kind of is, but there is a hidden danger to the whole thing. Uh, he talks about how he's been synchronizing his, like, after he broke free from the individual 11, uh, he started letting the refugees and only the refugees into his brain, and he's been synchronizing his beliefs to the refugees that connect with him. Um, and that's kind of been like, you know, it, it hasn't actually just been them feeding off of his beliefs and emotions. He's been kind of taking them in to kind of, to try to become like the hero that they deserve and like believe the things that they believe. It's a two way system is what he's going at. It's not exactly. just them Where before it was mind. always like Kuze is the source of all of this and he's pushing it out to everyone. It's actually, he's been like regressing to the median. He's um, empathizing with the refugees. But part of the problem is that as they've gained hope and power, uh, he's realized that humanity's hearts always, like like a river flowing downstream, uh, human hearts tend towards baser instincts. And we get this really long speech about how humans only exist through the intervention of others, and how the refugees, now that they think they have the plutonium, are pushing him to display this power because it's only natural. Uh, and he doesn't want to do you know, start a fucking war, but he is being pushed in that whole, uh, direction with the whole thing. Mm. Uh, not chief asks him if, why he's let the situation go this far. Then if he never really wanted that, did like, did you really think you could achieve a revolution so effortlessly? Um, and Kuze's like, nah, man, I'm playing the long game. This is just the first step pointing people towards a superstructure of my ideal society. Um, yeah, this whole thing goes on for a bit. It's, I mean, I'm giving you the the, the Cliff Notes version for sure. Yes. Yeah, go for it. Because like, I, there's I have an idea of what he's trying to go for here in terms of me having read this second and third manga book, but mm-hmm. it, it's definitely like we're gonna get into the part of it about the internet eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, not cheap is basically like, isn't superstructure another word for hierarchy? But Kuze's like, no. Well, you see. The internet has completely revolutionized human communication, allowing for non-hierarchical structures to begin to form. It fulfilled its original purpose, and now we can use it to, like, build society up beyond this. Uh, we get another shot of the white crow from before, because subtlety is for cowards. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, it is basically this idea that, like, now that the internet has made communication cheap and easy with between, you know, non-lines of power people, that rich people aren't the only ones who control the, the phone lines, uh, it's actually possible for a new, more equal uh, society to emerge from that. And that's kind of like 
what Kuze's actual goal with this whole thing is. Yeah, the, the thing he was pushing for earlier about how now that the refugees have plutonium, they're pushing to display the power. It's the fact that like camaraderie will come together of people in a low position. Like all the refugees have a shit life. So they have like a sense of, you know, uh, community around what's going on. But yep. once you start getting more and more power, more wealth, et cetera, you start becoming less empathetic to those in need. It's so, easy like, to pivot that straight into nationalism town. Yeah. And so like my read on what he was saying about the structure thing is because the internet has a lot of people to communicate. So together, you know, effortlessly together, if people start syncing with each other, there can be like a higher form of like class consciousness with each other. Yeah. It's more empathetic, I guess you could say. Yep. So, uh, not chief basically is like, I don't quite understand what you mean, but, uh, that's nice kid. He also admits that he used to be a public official, but he liked people too much to keep being one, <laughs> which is, I think a nice touch. I think that's like a backhanded compliment there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he says that there might still be time to put end on, to put an end to all this since Kuze seems to be a bit more of a realist, uh, that actually cares about the people that he's leading. Uh, and, you know, maybe you can actually solve this situation without people being too many people being killed. Cut back to the plutonium gang where Major asks the babies to help her dive into Kuze's brain once more so that they can deliver a message that basically explains the plutonium plan. Uh, they steal a helicopter from a military base and start flying it towards Dejima, which alerts Gota to their location. Uh, he's now back in his <laughs> office, but he's lying on his hacking bed and says that they're following his <laughs> script to the letter. Oh, yes. He's just a nasty like, man. He's like lying in bed with like two big, it's hard to even say. It's like, Bookends. what if you had VR <laughs> goggles, but they were like held a foot and a half away from your face? Google Mega Glass. Just like, yeah, it's, oh, it's so, it's so Hacker Man. Yes. <laughs> it's the same Hacker, Hacker Man like area that we saw earlier with uh, yes. when. You know, the major was in her intranet persona form talking in that office. It's the same yep. thing. It's that way. It's that office. But the nasty man is just like, they said I wasn't a genius. Well, I'll show them. Yeah. The they're assholes. following my plan, the dumbasses. I'm first rate, damn it. So he tells his men to start jamming all of Dejima with their jammer plane, which we did see taking off a while back. Mm -hmm. uh, to totally cut off all the refugees, like not only Section 9, but also all the refugees from Kuze. Uh, this is going to make the refugees start acting independently of him, which should light the fuse for this whole thing. Yeah, the reason the refugees are kept in check right now is because they have constant communication with Kuze Cyberbrain. Who's telling wishes. them, bro, don't shoot them, bro. Come yeah. on. Uh, so we get a sweet cyber action scene of the entire net getting blacked out around the Tachikomas as they fly towards Kuze's Cyberbrain. Uh, the, they finally slam dunk their message into it just as it gets totally cut off from everything. Before the net split occurs. Yes. 500 people have left the chat. Uh, Kuze suddenly jumps up in the restaurant having received the message. It is like, Section 9, coming with the plutonium. And like, brother's like, wait, what? But he realizes <laughs> that uh, they've been cut off from the refugees. So like, he jumps up to run to the front lines to stop someone from shooting someone. Yeah, there's a shot of like the people outside just looking very confused and like kind of slowly panicking when they realize they have no information about what's happening. Twitch stream died. <laughs> um, so he's running towards the front line and he mentions that someone in the government must follow the same philosophy as him. Basically all the thing that he was talking about, baser instincts. It'll, it'll get even mm. more obvious in a moment. Mm -hmm. Um 
at the front lines, the jumpy rookie from before talks about how he's totally gonna murder one of those soldiers down the line and he just kind of shoots a guy in the head. Yeah, he's uh, like scoping this dude through a scope. He's like, I'm gonna shoot one of these guys, and then like he shoots a guy. He's like, oh, I shot a guy, and then and he, he is super fire. surprised about like, wait, did I just shoot a guy? Uh, <laughs> but that's all it takes to start a firefight between the two, and the army starts mobilizing the tanks, which start rolling across the bridge. Uh, go to monologues about how the human heart tends towards its basic instincts, kind of word for word with what Kuze said. Uh, as the refugees detonate the bridge, which drops the tanks into the river and forces the army to pull back. And that's the end of the episode. Things heating up. Who, whomst is copying whomst. Mm-hmm. Well, episode four uh, takes place immediately afterwards. And it's, uh... there, there's like a lot of people dying is the thing. Yeah. I feel like they keep forgetting that. Like, there's like a lot. Like, don't get me wrong. Gota and Kuze are like super cool or whatever, but also I feel like they're like centering it. Yeah, they're centering it around like two people kind of a lot. Yeah. They're the only ones that matter. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so we open, we see the bridge destruction, the refugees are all cheering, and the army is retreating. Uh, we cut to Gota, and he's he's glowing. He's like, the refugees are isolated. It's just a matter of time before it all goes according to Keikaku. Mwahaha. <laughs> <laughs> if Kekuku he wasn't in a, in a, strapped to a bed, he would absolutely be having his hands like up in that pose. Like, yeah. <laughs> the Gendo Ikari. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after the title card, we're back with the government. They're watching the whole situation go down. Uh, one colonel's like, hey, well, of course the soldiers are going to shoot back if fired upon. We should storm in now instead of waiting for the UN inspection team. Uh, another colonel objects. He's like, no, 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 wait. The refugees could uh, use suicide bombs with nukes. You know, that would be very bad. Uh, some suit guy suggests, hey, why don't we send in those unmanned attack helicopters, which we saw way, way back We then. tie in basically all of the episodes with varying degrees of, like, awkwardness, basically, mm-hmm. in this whole segment. And so, um, Aramaki's politician friend is in on this meeting, and he's like, hmm, we're intrigued by all of this. It's, uh, uh Kabuta, I think his name was. Yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, so we cut to the Prime Minister. She's pulling up to the office uh, with Chief Tokusa and Proto in it and in a future tunnel car. I fucking love this little go-kart. And she immediately gets arrested for treason. Like, just, yeah, just immediately. She doesn't even get to step out of the car before they arrest her. Yeah, they're like underneath the Prime Minister's residence, I guess is where all like the secret cabinet stuff is. It's like yes. Grand Central Station level big of like just government offices, but there's this like huge courtyard area and they they're So in they this, gotta like, move them with the people movers. Yeah, it's like you see it like a airport, these like little golf carts. And yeah, she gets arrested right out of the side of the golf cart. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, You called in the UN, that's treason, apparently. Uh, you're no longer Prime Minister and we're gonna have to take you into custody and uh, inside the room Proto's like listening out and here he hears it and the, the entire group busts outside only to get arrested themselves. Go back in the office, Aramaki. <laughs> like, it told you to get back in the office. Togus is like, hey, but the security, like, you know, pushes them back. There's a lot of suits here. Forces them back in the office. So, once again, uh, Aramaki's gonna spend the entire episode in an office. <laughs> it's his natural environment. Yeah, it's true. 
Uh, at the Section 9 headquarters, um, uh, the chief's friend is contacting the AI ladies who tell him, we've lost contact with Aramaki, we, we can't actually speak to him. He hasn't read his voicemail in six hours. Yes. It's on um, So he passes on the information and he's like, hey, we're hearing like word that the refugees could be doing like suicide bombings with the nukes. This is probably just like some weird misinformation by the uh, CIS, but I thought Aramaki should know. Yeah. He then goes on to say that Aramaki probably already knows about this, but you know. <laughs> probably, but... He'll yeah. piece it together. Uh, back in Dejima, the unmanned drones have been launched into the cities, and boy, the refugees are not happy about this, and are like, that training exercise, was this was their plan all along, and it's like, yeah. Yeah, Jigabachi's just here to make you jumpy. So a bunch of them get ready to shoot down one of them, but Kuzi runs up to them and is like, don't shoot, don't shoot. If you don't point your weapons up at them, they will not fire at you. And then... Immediately after this, the drones blow up a nearby roof because some of the refugees were shooting at them. God damn it. <laughs> so we see various shots of refugees firing at the drones or different places. There's some on a ship, there's some uh, on, the, on the rooftop get blown up, and there's some like from the sides of buildings, and they just... They all get mowed down. This is showing us that the refugees that aren't connected to Kuze anymore. Like, yep. he knows don't shoot, but they don't. So they're, they're yeah. getting killed. It's also just the tech factor of the self-defense force is way higher than... Like, yeah. th- these refugees are shooting at these helicopters that with, like, AK-47s. And these helicopters have, yeah. like, giant miniguns with, like, fly-by-wire systems that are laser-targeted and crap, so... And blowing up yeah, entire, like, like, porches and stuff like that. Just just removing floors from buildings, yeah. more or less. Like, they even, like, cut in at one point to... Um, just like an elderly couple asleep in their bed or whatever, <laughs> like in the in the middle of like this huge firefight, like getting woken up by this. So like I don't know. It looked like the helicopters might also just be you know firing through the whole building because they don't exactly have small enough shells to like only hit one room. Yeah, yeah. It looks real bad. So Kuse calls out to the ones he's with. He's like, "Hey, best shooters, follow me. I'm gonna I have try. a plan. I have a plan. I'm gonna try to link everyone to my cyber brain again." And he runs off. Uh, I work with the major and crew. They're they're in the helicopter on the way to Dejima. Uh, but I was like, you know, once we enter the airspace, our IFF code is not going to work. The drones will fire on us if they see us. And the major's like, well, yeah, but we have no choice, and so we must fly on. Uh, we then cut to two completely random nobodies on an aircraft carrier. There's a helicopter taking off from it, and the nobodies start talking about how, oh, yeah, this is a, a GSDA special ops crew that's been sent to recover the plutonium. I'm they sure get, they won't be important. Their helicopter is real, real weird looking. It looks like a... Not like a grasshopper or something. It's got some like weird mm. front arms things going on. Yeah, I mean, like it's a troop carrier. Like there's you know there's twenty people in the back of it, but it just I looks sh- weird. I sure am glad these two random workers on the aircraft carrier know exactly what's Could going explain on. Explain that the to us. <laughs> uh, so back in the major's helicopter, it's approaching Dejima. It's about to enter the jamming zone. So the babies are on. Like they're getting all staticky. Uh, and baby's like, you know, we're gonna enter. Another one's like, hey, you know, go in low behind the buildings. Uh, that way you'll kind of stay out of the, the way of the drones. And so they enter the zone, they lose complete contact with Tachikomas. Uh, that army helicopter we just saw is like, hey, that's them. 
and like follow them in. So they're, they're being tailed by this helicopter. Yep. Yes, I would also like to say like this has probably been one of my like, like the upcoming scene here where the music starts playing is probably like one of my favorite action scenes in the series so far. It's well choreographed. It's, like, really well choreographed, and the music is this like super choral like theme, and it's it's really really good. It's the same music that played during the them taking on the uh, Jigabachis in like episode two or three of the season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we cut back to uh, the hacker babies all, you know, keyed in at the headquarters in their IR chat room. And they're like, well, I hope Bato will be okay. Those those drones are vicious, man. Uh, they ask the baby dispatch to Ishikawa if she's made it to him yet. And she's like, no, I have to get there physically. Of course, I've not made it yet. I'm, I'm like, driving uh, and traffic is terrible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have to take the I-91. What do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> it's round at this time of night so they contact Ishikawa um, and he's like I'm on my way but you know I'm going I'm going the speed limit so Ishikawa's in a me. fucking sedan just driving <laughs> along the highway he still has like bandages around his head and his arms and a cast and everything like he shouldn't be out of bed <laughs> no absolutely not uh, so they like kind of recap the situation with him they've got no communication with the major or the chief the drones are really dangerous like you know everything's going to shit and so Ishikawa says that whoever can pull off the biggest grandstand is going to win all the marbles. So a very Ishikawa thing to say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Goda is still in his hacking bed, obviously. Uh, he's told a guy tells him about uh, Section Four going into Dejima and how that's great. They're going to get the plutonium back. And Goda's like, "You idiot! Getting the plutonium is not the reason I sent them in." And the guy's like, "What?" Oh? And he's <laughs> yeah. like. You'll understand soon enough, and we get a very brief shot of some mystery submarine. Chekhov's nuclear submarine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, the Major's group helicopter has made it into the city, but Bartos like, shit, I, I can't land this anywhere. Way too much rubble. Uh, so they decide they're going to go down one by one by rope. But just as the Major is on the rope, ready to, you know, you know go down the rope, uh, suddenly a drone appears, and Bato, oh shit, has to... Oh fuck, oh shit. High tail out of there, like, wrenches the controls, the pro major is left clinging to this rope as the, as Bato tries to shake off this drone. Yeah, there's a shot of, like, the major just kind of, like, dangling by rope underneath Falling this helicopter. out of a helicopter. As it flails around, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the drone shoots the crap out of their helicopter, especially hitting the rudder, and it's now spinning out of control. Ends up scraping up against a nearby building made of glass. Uh, yeah, major, major does what I would consider the first reverse major of the <laughs> series, where instead of jumping backwards off a building, she is being thrown violently up, up a building. building and lands <laughs> and, 10 points on top of it. Yeah, does seem to hate it, though. Really not a fan of doing a reverse major. <laughs> That's Luckily, not does the get a chance direction. to do a major shortly. Yeah, like just flying up the building, having glass exploding all around her. Just really, yeah, not not her forte. <laughs> um, I also want to say there's this really great shot when the helicopter hits the building where, like, Bato gets, like, right up next to it and starts, like, rising up to try to get up above it. And you get this, like, two-second shot with the back of the helicopter, like, right next to the windows, and you know what's about to happen, but they spend just long enough that it's like, oh my fucking god, is it good? Like, <laughs> this action sequence is really good. Yeah, there's a lot of glass everywhere as the Major gets thrown up onto the top of the building. <laughs> yep. That's great. 
But she does manage to land on a building and then immediately jumps off of it. <laughs> she doesn't like buildings. No, hates being on top of buildings. No, it's not. She doesn't like it. Uh, so we cut to the chief's group again, and Proto is hacking uh, the console under the desk, and he's trying to get a line out to the Tachikomas. Uh, Aramark and Togusa discuss the Prime Minister's arrest, saying, well, you know, they arrested her, but they, they probably haven't actually announced this to, like, the, the wider public yet, because it's, you know, it would cause a lot of panic, and you know, they kind of plan to, like, use her as a scapegoat later. Yeah, so, you, can't, you can't really say, like, hey, we're about to invade this country that's trying to, you know, declare its independence. Oh, by the way, the president, the prime minister is gone. Yeah, and also we ousted the prime minister. Nothing's yeah, this. That, we have to a, oust her after the whole thing goes to shit. Exactly. Like, this this will look like an entire coup attempt if they don't yep. do it correctly. So, uh, Chief and Tokusa kind of think, well, you know, there's probably still some way we can, like, use her. Like, she still has some prime ministerial advantages here. Yeah, the the rest of the country and the rest of the world, for that matter, still think she's the prime minister. It's just the people involved in the building here. Yep. That know. So Proto does manage to get through headquarters, and the babies share uh, all the info about what's happening at Dejima, That they've lost contact with the major, and everything's going a little bit to shit. Uh, Chief's like, "Okay, okay, babies, keep reporting in. You know, keep us up to date with what's going on." Uh, back in Dejima, the drone is, like, Bato is just, like, dead in this drone's sight. Uh, they're all about to die, but luckily the Major diverts his attention by shooting at it. And then stealth optical camos away. <laughs> she, like, runs on the roof and then optical camos and sprints to the side, which is smarter than most people. Yes. The helicopter also gets super confused at this. If you've ever seen a Roomba, like, stop and assess its surroundings... <laughs> Yeah, it, it gets does real that. pissed off and it like follows her for half a second, then she disappears and it's just like confused and looks away and drives off. <laughs> Alright, so she then radios Bart and is like, I'm gonna go on ahead to find Kuze. Uh one point she's running off, she looks up and she sees the jamming plane. She doesn't overhead. actually radio him because it's all radio jammed. She says it right. to herself. Oh right, she just says it to herself, right? Yeah. But she's separated just, from the rest of the group. I just assume when she's saying things to herself, it's to someone <laughs> Bato else. can hear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so now with Kuze and the refugees, the sharpshooters, I guess he found, uh, they have a lot of stinger missiles. Uh, they're climbing a big, tall scaffolding, and they're setting up to fire these missiles on something. I'm sure it's not that jamming plane we just saw. Uh, we then cut to uh, the, he- the Bato's crash helicopter. It has, at some point, they've crashed it. Uh, into, like, the memorial that yes. we saw Kayabuki at way, way lot earlier. This is a Black Hawk Down fucking reference right here. Like, this <laughs> yeah. exact, the, like the helicopter's on its side and everything. Yes. Yep. Yeah, the whole the side of it's up so they can peer up out of it. Um, and they're completely surrounded by refugees, so Bato and them are just kind of like, oh, God, are we going to, like... How do, we, how do we get out of this? And then it gets worse. <laughs> uh, the army helicopter lands. Uh, what well, is it land? It like, you know, hovers and the special ops team descend on ropes. And of course the refugees scatter, but now Bato and the others have to contend with a special ops unit after them. Great. Another black ops team. Yes. Cool. <laughs> more, more guns pointed at us. Neat. Love it. So we hear the leader say no comms because they're obviously drowned. Also, don't use camo because you might shoot one of our own. And Bato's like, shit, this is this is special ops. We're, we're fucked, guys. Yeah, this isn't the normal army who we could probably outsmart. These guys know what they're doing. 
So back in uh, Baby's IR chat, uh, they, they talk a whole bunch about the situation. Then one of them is like, hey, what do you make of this? And he mentions that the cruisers and the helicopter carriers around Dejima are all conspicuously moving away from the island. <laughs> and also there's a minesweeper ship there dispersing those radiation scrubber micro-machines. You know, the ones you put out in preparation for radiation. For a nuke. Hmm. And so, like, well, of course, you have to put them out in advance of a nuclear explosion happening for, you know, the best effect. Maybe it's just a precaution in case the refugees use a nuke. But one of the others is like, hey, but, you know, we here at Section 9 think that most of the top brass in the government and, and Gota know that the refugees don't have a nuke. And this all seems like a bit overkill for being part of, like, a bluff that we think but they have. That's Occam's razor a little bit here. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, like, going a bit far for the sake of the performance piece that Goat is putting up. Yeah. yeah. The Asper is, you know, it seems like they're they're going all out. They're putting really scrubbers out as if there's a real nuke. It's weird. Even though they know. So, hey, Proto, what do you think? But before Proto can answer, uh, they're interrupted because another one has found an American nuclear submarine that's within Japan's borders. Within Japan's exclusive economic zone. Oh, geez, guys. Sorry, I got my nuclear submarine lost. I don't know where Oops. I put it. Sub lost. You're like, that, that's that's not right. I don't think that's right. Hey, is that is that right, guys? Uh, so like, hey, hey, chief, what what does that mean? And the chief's like, well, you want to be there firing nuclear missile at Dejima. Uh oh. Tosa's like, uh oh. And chief's like, yeah. What what other reason would a nuclear submarine and then nuclear radiation scrubbers be there for? Um, so Tosa's like, did. Did Gota like know about this? Is that why they put a rush on the US Japan like security treaty? Because like if they fire a missile and people find out, but it's you know already part of a treaty that the US will come to Japan's aid when it comes to nuclear weapons, then it's all above board, right? Mm-hmm. Some shit's being played right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the entire plan is that they are going to launch this nuke and say that the refugees blew themselves up as an act of self-defiance or whatever. And then this way, the Japanese army can continue to grow instead of having to pay for refugees. The refugee problem's gone. And America, in along with uh, the Prime Minister aide, is all happy about all this. So America got to fire a nuke, so they're happy. Yeah, always, always happy when they get to fire nukes. Um, so Aramaki's like, yeah, this is probably part of Goda's dramatic ending. Because Aramaki knows Goda is a melodramatic bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. And he's like, yeah. Second rate melodramatic bitch. Yes. Cut rate looking ass. <laughs> uh, so he's like, yeah, you know, it's going to be something like the refugees blew themselves up after being, you know, backed into a corner. And, like, we know that a bunch of, like, Poseidon and Foreign Affairs Ministry have been, like, gathering a bunch of money. Clearly, they paid off the Americans to, like, not just nuke. How what much could the... it cost to fire off a single nuclear missile? Yeah. I'm about to ask that, like, how many, <laughs> how many kickbacks do you need to get? <laughs> <laughs> How many digits? And so Togus is like, hey, I'm sick of being stuck in this office. We should go get the Prime Minister. You know, because the cabinet haven't publicly announced anything, for diplomatic, you know, negotiations, she's still Prime Minister. Maybe she can tell the Americans to, you know, 
not launch the nuke. Stop doing the nukes, please. <laughs> so she's like, that sounds like a great idea. And he just rolls up his pant leg, revealing a revolver. It's specifically Togus's six-shot revolver. Yes. No, it's a different one. It's, it's, it, it's not Togus's. It's oh, like it is this, just a Derringer? It's a really small yeah, little revolver. Yeah, it's his fucking Saturday Night Special. He's got just holiday on his hip uh, there. So you can't, like, if Aramaki just has that, and he has an ankle holster, so I imagine Aramaki, it's his personal weapon. Yeah. So Aramaki agrees with Togus about how awesome revolvers so. are. <laughs> to be fair, though, but I, don't I think love the, that too. The chief's probably that not part of that. Their whole cover here, yeah. The, the whole cover here is that, like, well, they would probably search you, Togusa, because everyone knows you're a gun guy. It's written all over your face, and Proto also could be a gun guy. But but me, I'm a funny little guy. They won't risk me. <laughs> the funny guy gambit pays off again. I feel the chief. I'm just, it's my birthday. I just want I just want a couple spritzers for at the Olive Garden. <laughs> <laughs> the chief, much like uh, Lieutenant Colombo, has not fired his gun in close to 20 years. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he hands it to the guy who has. Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, gun in hand, Tokes is like, hey, Proto, can you, like, you know, we're hacking in there. Can you find the prime minister? And Proto searches for the prime minister, but hits an attack barrier and gets fried. Uh, when Tokusa rolls him over, there's white fluid leaking from his eyes and mouth, but he, like, comes back online and is like, I found the prime minister. And Togus is like, I didn't know you were an android. And Proto's like, I'm a bio-android prototype. And and his little finger guns at him. But I'm also like, how did Togusa not know he was an android? I mean, I I know the show didn't say he was an android, but I just assumed he was an android because he wasn't very human-like. Well, I think the difference here is that, like, while most of Section 9 has cybernetic bodies, like, people with cybernetic, you know, manufactured bodies is commonplace in the society— but Proto doesn't actually have a human brain. He has the same stuff that the babies have in terms of yes. like that biochip stuff. So he's kind of like even closer to human than the Tachikomas are. Yeah, and I also kind of feel like this is something that needed a little bit more time to base yes. because like we've gotten the one episode in <laughs> Tokyo of like Togusa still doesn't like the babies even though they're full humans and we real we really needed the other side of it which was he interacts more with Proto and like comes to really respect him as a exactly. coworker but it, and thinks he's human yeah while all the to- all the while thinking that he's human you, like you said it, I can everything. see what they're trying to do here but it, it does kind of come a also, little bit short his name is Proto Man I mean he's gonna get absorbed on, by Togusa. Rockman eventually. You said everything I, I wanted to say. Like, this could have been a very good plot point had they yes. given it you know, six more episodes to develop over I, I time. I like what they're trying to do here, yeah. but it, it does fall just a little short. Yeah, I think he's also, yeah, just a bit too obviously. Like I said, that first episode with him and the babies, like, I knew he wasn't, like, the major. I knew he wasn't a human brain in a cybernetic body. I I knew from the, the weird way he was acting that he, he was, was always like, timid. Yeah, yes. I, I think yeah. it, like the big thing about it is that like it would also be very easy to think that Togusa would miss all the obvious signs, mm-hmm. but they just didn't quite get the time to like. Togusa's never interacted with Proto exactly before these sets of episodes. Like it, it would yeah. work really good as a Togusa moment too, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like especially when you consider that Togusa is like the stand-in for the you know the audience's possible like trepidation yeah. at like the fu- you know the futuristic stuff happening around them, and so. Just having it just kind of be like, ah, no, it's fine now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's, it's really cheap. close to yeah. a really good plot point. Yeah, I feel... Yeah, it's a good idea just with none execution, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we're finally back with Kuze, and he's like, that, you know, the refugees are a bit worried because they, you know, 
all the They're antsy. rockets going around. But he's like jamming craft fires in Fred guided rockets. They clearly weren't expecting to be shot at with stingers. They got a bit careless. So um, he and the refugees start firing their stinger missiles at the plane. You see some shots of the major uh, running through like... The warehouse district. Yeah, like tracking him down. And she sees the plane overhead as well. Um, the refugees fire and they miss. Kuze, you know, gets in his sights and being the cool guy Kuze, the show clearly thinks he is, uh, is absolutely the one who hits it with a stinger and takes it out. And they're like... Also, I would like to point out that Kuze beforehand told everyone, don't stress it, don't stress about it too much, don't freak out, it, you could hit your target with your eyes closed, it's thermally guided. <laughs> So and they all miss. He was like, "It's it's incredibly not impressive to hit something with a stinger missile." Says Kuze ten seconds before hitting something with a stinger <laughs> missile. <laughs> I can see the other ones missing though. Kuze is the only one with actual military training. So. Yes, you did just hand a rando on the street a stinger missile. <laughs> so of course they're like, "Okay, gotta get out of here before that before a drone comes over and shoots the crap out of us." And of course, uh, as the majors run over, the aircraft blows up, and a drone flies over her head, and she's not very happy about all of this. Uh, but the Batman crew, they're like, okay, we need to get out of this helicopter wreckage before we get attacked. So uh, they all leave in camo, except Bato, who, you know, sticks around for a little bit. One of the guys, like, leans over, looks in, uh, sees the plutonium, and then Bato comes out and punches his lights out. He stayed behind just so he could punch his former. Well, yeah. <laughs> so he could, punch he could have left. Before. But <laughs> yet, but he had to uppercut like, a dude. He, he gets up and the plutonium isn't optical camoed, of yeah. course. So there's just this container of plutonium floating in the air and then running off. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did anyone see that thermos run off? What was that? <laughs> yeah, that was we're weird. a little bit confused. It's got the soup and they're in like, it. Hey, hang on a minute. Uh, these guys have, like, optical camo and, like, you know, clearly know what they're doing. We were told this was, like, five low-ranking soldiers from the SDA who made off of the Yeah, the, the CO of this group is just as confused about this whole thing. So you can tell that all this information manipulation is going, like, all sides everywhere. Mm-hmm. So there's, like, okay, you know, pursue them. And we see Badger and the others, they're in a building and they run off to hide in it at the end of the episode. And that's it. So one thing I would like to say yeah. is I would like to slightly revise my prediction from last episode. Because I said that Section 9 would be the one to beat uh, Goda. Mm-hmm. I'm going to revise it slightly. It's still Section 9, but specifically the Tachikomas. Because the be babies Goda. are awesome and I want them to win. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also like this idea that like there's a new consciousness growing that no one really noticed especially not Goda until they foiled his big Scooby-Doo plan. Yes. I, the Tachikos are absolutely the foil to like everything. The, the, the real I, X Factor. They have seen the nuclear submarine so I am like the baby the babies the babies are gonna win. The babies are gonna foil Goda's plan. They're the X Factor. They're the best. And also Kuze's too boring. <laughs> Kuze's also just kind of in his own place like he knows what he has to do while the Tachikomas can just they have the free will to decide what they want to do in the situation. They got their IRC chat. Yeah. They were yeah. not accounted for. Like, Kuze's got a little bit of, like, a weird universal mind meld thing going on, but it's bad. Whereas the Tachikomas have a funny little tiny version of it, <laughs> it's good. So. <laughs> They're forming their own little society there. It's called IRC. Yeah. They're all one person, and it fucking rocks. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're the best, and I love them, and I want them to win. 
Mm. Well, we have two more episodes where the Tachikomas may or may not win. Um, yes. I guess we'll see. Yes, they will. They will. <laughs> or win I'm in leaving. my heart. <laughs> yes, no matter what happens, they win in my heart. Yeah, we have uh, two different plot threads, I guess, to pull up what's happening on Dejima Island and then what's happening in the uh, Prime Minister's, uh, I don't, I guess, estate. I don't know. They've never been really clear Underground about bunker? That, yeah, where that is, but... Uh, we'll see what happens, um, especially with uh, Chekhov's nuclear submarine there. <laughs> yeah, they sure did slip that <laughs> they one did. in. <laughs> yeah, they just kind of left that there. Well, I guess because the idea is like, you know, if Kuze stays in control, like they're not going to set off the plutonium, mm-hmm. right? But Why not bring some of your own? Yeah, just then they're just like, yeah. Well, I mean, but America will, and me sitting here as an American's like, yeah, they, yeah, absolutely, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah See, a first a first rate hacker may have realized that Kuze was going to shoot down his AWACS control, so the jamming would go away. So that's why what? he brought his own nuke in case. What they were care? You're saying they weren't actually careless? Is that <laughs> <laughs> they're all dancing along to Saman's script? No. Mr. I'm not second rate. No, I mean, not I'm not second rate. He's clearly the mastermind's not second rate, whoever that is, not me. I'm just a humble servant, a humble civil servant. <laughs> God. Uh, so, yeah, next week we'll uh, wrap up with the conclusion. Yeah, 25 and 26. Mm-hmm. So, uh, some good stuff until next time. I. They have a lot to they have a lot to make good on in two episodes. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm true, excited yes. to see them try. The last two yeah, has been so, great to be on. Ever since he came back, God, like, he's been fantastic. Welcome back, Goda. Yeah, extremely welcome back, Goda. Damn, I hate that son of a bitch. He's so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, till next time, cyberspace anime. Cyberspace anime. <laughs>